33 is not on your hand uh, on your on your list of the references for this morning and uh, we're just going to go until we're uh, until the the 45 minutes is up and then we'll pick right up where we're leaving off and so forth because this morning I want to talk with you last time uh, you got Isaiah 33 stick something in it go back to first Timothy 4 first Timothy 4 last time I, we talked with you about uh, which church you ought to be going to last week. 1 Timothy 3, verse 15 says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of God, the living of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. You ought to be going where the pillar, where the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth, where the word is taught rightly divided from a, from a Bible you can trust to be God's word, which is the King James Bible. So when you think about what the church is about, which is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now when we come into 1 Timothy 4, and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, and then we're going to do it over the next two months, three months, okay? I want to talk with you about something that, that doesn't get discussed really anymore in Christianity, okay? And that is the issue of the adversary, him, his plan, his program, the power of darkness, the course of the world and all of that. And I'm going to do it and kind of, we're going to talk this morning about Satan's church. This is part one, might be part two, might be part three. It depends on how far we get, okay? But then as we move and we begin to look at some things, in the book of Ephesians, Advanced Doctrine, Paul makes several statements, and we're going to look at them, where he's telling us we ought to be aware of some things. So when we look around us, and we see the world about us falling apart, okay? We see society doing what it's doing. We see this and we see, and we, we're not supposed to fall apart either. We're supposed to have some understanding. Look at Isaiah 33 with me. Uh, again, this isn't on the handout. I just thought of this this morning, talking with Marla in the, in the middle. 33.5, he says, The Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. You see verse 6, and the wisdom and knowledge shall be thy stability and the strength of thy salvation. Now, I know he's talking to Israel. I know he's talking through Isaiah. You're in Isaiah. You got 33. Look over there at chapter 28. Chapter 28. When you come to the word of God, God's wisdom, his plan, his understanding, he gives it to us in the pages of the word. Uh, uh, Isaiah 28, if you look there at verse 10, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Verse, 14, uh, verse 13, but the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might, what, go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Now, that's judgment on Israel, okay? So when you come to 1 Timothy 4, when we talk about stability and wisdom, we're, we're going to come from the Word of God because there's the strength of our salvation. So when you see things happening in the earth, in the world, you know, we, it comes into our thinking, into, that cap, in, into our language and our vocabulary. It goes down and our heart looks at it and our will goes, oh my goodness, it's all falling apart in the pieces. Well, 
it shouldn't because you have some stability. You have Scripture. And when, what Scripture does, the Scripture comes along and says, here is the answer. Now, we have to take it, study it, believe it, and then put it into our lives. Chapter, 1 Timothy 4, look at verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Now, I want to be a good minister to you, so I'm going to put you in remembrance of some things. But that means that you've already been exposed to it, 1 Timothy 4, 6, okay? For some of us, we've never been exposed to this information. Follow me? Okay. And the, the information is, if you put in the brethren in remembrance of these things, the these things are the things in verse 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There is a system out there that we need to be very well aware of because that's where the real battle is. That's where the real fight is. That's where the real conspiracy is. It isn't over here and who shot JFK. It isn't over here and who won or lost the election. That is just... That is only that is tactics of the devil used to distract you, the believer. That's all that mess is. Because you know what's going to happen? You ain't changing it. You know? The January 6th committee. We're going to look into this. You know what? It's done. You're crying over spilt milk. You'll never change it. Well, we'll prevent it from ever happening again. No, you won't. You know why? Because man is man. They're going to figure out how to do it again. You know? So when you begin to look at this, look at verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Do you know what it is to sear something with a hot iron? Man, you, you can't get it back in there. You can't get light in there. That's why he tells Timothy and 2 Timothy over there in chapter 2, the good servant is going to do what? Come in and give the doctrine. They have to do what? Peel the scab off and let the doctrine in. They got to do it. You can't do it. But notice here, they're going to teach some things giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies. Verse 3, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them, which believe and know the truth. Notice what's happening here. There's, some, there's a system here, a seduction, a doctrine, a system that's designed to draw the church, the body of Christ, away from the truth. And they're going to use some teaching, and they're going to use religion. Forbidding to marry and abstaining from meats, those are legislative legalism. Okay, I've been talking, you know, you talking about marriage and stuff. You know, in, in today's dispensation, the only criteria in marriage is that the spouses be in the Lord. That's it. And yet, what do we do? We come up with all this other stuff, you know. Well... Obviously, if you're going to get married to somebody, there ought to be some attraction. Well, maybe. I don't know. Okay? But, you, you know, I, I love him for his money. It ain't going to last then, you know. All this. But, but that has no bearing here. What has the bearing? Are they in the Lord? But what do we do? The end of verse 3, which believe and what? Know the truth. 
You see, that's the answer. The answer to the seduction of the spirits and the doctrines of devil is to know and believe the truth. Because if you know and believe the truth about marriage and about the dietary laws that are in Scripture, you know what's going to happen? You're not going to be carried away. Okay? So what does that mean you have to do? You have to know the truth. You have to believe the truth. Verse 4. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Notice, what, notice the truth on the dietary laws today. What's the truth about eating today? Receive it with thanksgiving, it's good to go. That's pretty cool. You know what that means? No Garden of Eden diet. Stop, sorry. You know what that is? Vegetarian. Okay. We can have the Noah diet. Eat it, kill it. Seek it, hoot it, shoot it, kill it, boom, it's ours. You can have the seafood diet. You see food and you eat it, right? See, but what is the connotation? It's to be received with what? Thanksgiving, sanctified, set apart by what? By the word of God and prayer. There's the process. So you, you, how do you set apart something? You have the Word of God on it, rightly divided, and then you are praying about it. And that's all prayer is. Prayer is talking to the Father about the details of life and says, Lord, how do I take verse 4 and apply it to the details of my life in the area that I eat in? Well, when your doctor says you can't have, and he starts listing off all the good stuff, you know, because they've done blood work and work tests, then what should you audit, audit? What should you listen to? Well, I'm going to eat it anyway. Oh, Yeah. Or I'm going to listen to the doctor knowing that I can do what? I can go and eat what I need to eat, sanctified by the word, by the truth, and then sanctified by prayer. Believing, know, and believe the truth. How do I do that? I study the word. I talk to the Father about the application of his word to the details of life. And if you want to live a sanctified life, folks, that's how you do it. You do it by taking God's word, praying over it. Prayer is the energizer bunny. Prayer is the activating agent. Prayer is the component that you dump in there, and it turns it all up because you're thinking about it. And then you begin to move. So verse 6, remind... (laughs) If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you'll be a good minister. What? Hey, you see that system out there, the course of the world, the power of darkness, the adversary? You see all of that? We're going to look this morning at Satan's church. You see all that? Get in the book. Figure that stuff out from the Word of God. Pray about it that you're never involved in it ever, 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 ever. And how do I do that? I know and believe because I got God's word and I'm praying about it. And I'm on guard with it. You follow? Okay, now we're going to take some time looking at all of this, but I want to start here because I I want to talk to you here about the inner workings of the seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils and the speaking lies and hypocrisy. The adversary, come back with me to Romans 1. The adversary has set up a system called the lie program. You hear me talk about it. Paul describes what that program is in Romans 1, verse 21 through 32. Here's what the lie program is. Now, we're just going to look at verse 25 because that's a summation of it. 
who changed the truth of God. By the way, verse 21, because that when they knew God, talking about man, they glorified him not as God, and neither were thankful. What, did, what do we receive our food with? Thanksgiving. Okay. What's separating you from the heathen is a thankfulness, a thankful spirit, a thankful thought, thanksgiving. But become vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 24, God also gave them up. Verse 26, for this cause, God gave them up. Verse 28, in the middle of it, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. What did he do? He gave up the Gentiles over into the satanic system. He literally, in Genesis 10 and 11, takes the Gentiles and gives them to the satanic policy of evil, the, the captivity. Why? Because in Genesis 12, and during that same time of 10 and 11, he's reached in and pulled out a Gentile by the name of Abram and said, you're going to be my people. I'm letting these people go, and I'm going to deal with you now, and I'm going to show, and we'll see this as we go, that you're my you are where I'm going to reside. In Deuteronomy 4, the Gentiles will say, oh, man, what is it to have God as the head? What is it to have the word of God? Look at how great they are. Now, Paul says to the, Rome, to the Jews, you guys blaspheme the, the name of God in front of the Gentiles. They didn't stick it, but that was the course. Now, look at verse 25, because here's the, here's the lie program in one verse. Who changed the truth of God into a lie? He does that in Genesis 3, doesn't he, with Eve. What did he tell Eve? Yea, as God said, boom, took the truth and turned it into a lie. And worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. The essence of the lie program, the philosophy, the thinking process, is to make the creature their own God. Not make the creator the God, but make the creature. So the adversary has a system of thinking. He's going to take the truth of God. He's going to turn it into a lie, which is going to cause a lifestyle to be developed in the creature of saying what? I'm God. Or I'm going to make you my God rather than the creator. You follow that? Okay. The essence, the very fundamental issue is that. Now, he's got tactics and strategies, and we'll talk about that. But here, what I want you to catch this morning as we get into this is the, the thinking process, the philosophy, the merchandise. In a couple of weeks, we'll look at Daniel where and in Ezekiel, where he's going to traffic his merchandise. He's literally going to look at Eve. We'll see it in Genesis 3 and says, God doesn't want you to know something. I've got the decoder ring to tell you. And if you join me, then I'll give you the decode to it. And you can know really what God really is holding back from you. You know what that is? That's a lie. That's the whole thing. But he does that. And how he propagates, promotes, pushes, protects that thinking philosophy is he's got a vehicle that carries it. And that vehicle that carries it through time. He developed a vehicle that comes along and takes that process, that thinking process, and carries it through 
history. Now, Scripture calls that vehicle Baal worship. The Lord Jesus Christ, looking at the Pharisees, calls it a vain religious system. Your vain religion, he calls it. Vain, empty, worthless. There's a system that comes in and moves it. By the way, who is God's vehicle today? We are. Church, the body of Christ. Time past, Israel. Ages to come, Israel. Back, you know, finish it out. But right now, who we are. We're his vehicle. But what does the adversary know? He knows he can't get you out of Christ, but he sure enough can know he can make you unusable. And that's what he's after. And he's got a vehicle that does it. And when Scripture describes what, what, what Romans 1's talking about and, and the, the foolish heart being darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fool, verse 23, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible into an image. When it talks about all that, when it talks about the, 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 the vile affections and the, the misuse of the natural use of the... Of, he's not talking about what we think out there of homosexuality and all that. He's talking about a religious system that a religious thought process, a philosophy that's promoting that because what is the truth? Marriage is where? A male and a female. A man and a woman. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. <laughs> you know, the old joke, okay? He, what, but what do they do with it? Forbidding to marry. Remember 1 Timothy 4. How, how, forbidding to marry, really? I mean, we all think immediately of the priesthood and the Roman Catholic, but it's just far deeper. You know religions in the world. When we get into this, you will see some of this where their marriages are prearranged and they have to marry certain people. And it's nothing but a, usually a money thing, but they're doing it under the guise of what? Religion and what we believe. What does the Word of God say? Oh, I mean, you can marry whoever you want. I'm talking about today in the age of grace. Israel, by the way, they could only marry within the land. That's all the place they could marry. They were forbidden to marry outlandish women. I love that, outlandish. Woo. Solomon had, that's what got Solomon. They had over here. You think about Ruth. Naomi and her boys and husband go out. The, Ruth was a Moabitess. Woo. She's a, not just outlandish. She was on the do not fly list. Woo. No, being a Moabite. And yet what did she do? She came in. And Boaz took, honors the kinsman redeemer. And then we have the genealogy continue of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does religion do? You can't do that. No. Again, talking about today. So when we look at this issue as we move across, come back with me to Genesis 10. We're talking about something that Satan has developed. And he developed a vehicle. A vain religious system. Scripture calls it Baal worship. B-A-A-L. Baal worship. Okay? And it's developed to carry and to propagate and to promote and to push the lie, which is you're going to serve the creature more than the creator. Look at Genesis 10 and look at verse 8. I want this morning to let's catch as much of it of the vehicle, and then I know next week is Memorial Day weekend. We're going to keep going. I don't stop for stuff. I know people come in and out in the summer. You can come in this. You won't miss 
We're, we are building on each week, but it's okay, all right? So I know people have, you know, Memorial Day weekend. I, I, don't, I think it'll be me, Linda, and the kids here Sunday because everybody, when I hear, is going away, you know? And that's fine. I don't, I, I'd go away with you, okay? But the, so I, we're going to do this. I'm going to go, and then we're going to stop, and then we're going to pick right back up, okay? Look, if you will, Genesis 10. Look, if you will, at verse 8, Genesis 10, 8. And Cush begat Nimrod. He became a mighty hunter in the earth. So we have Nimrod. Now, Nimrod, that, the name Nimrod means let us rebel. So he's the leader of the world's rebellion after the flood. Who was the world's leader of rebellion before the flood? Cain was. What did Cain do? Cain said, God said, Cain, you're a farmer, no longer. You're going to be a wanderer, a vagabond. He says, no, I'm not. Build the city. Direct rebellion. What did Nimrod do? Nimrod did the same thing. What did God tell Noah and his three boys coming off the flood, the boat? Scatter, replenish, fill it up. Get going here. Verse 9, and he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Eric, and Achid, and Cana, in the land of Shinar. Out of that land went forth. Okay? So Nimrod is the beginning point of the vehicle that Satan's going to use to carry out the lie program. Okay? All right? It starts with Nimrod. Now, I want you to catch, out of that land, the land of what? Shinar, went Fourth, Asher and builded Nineveh and the city of Rehoboth and Kela and Raisin between Nineveh and Kela. The same as a great city. Verse 13, and, watch verse, four, uh, verse 13, you see the ands, and, and, and. Verse 14, and. Verse 15, and. Verse 16, and. You see all the ands? What did Nimrod do? He set up a system. And that system is now being taken and carried out into the Gentiles. Okay? Nimrod, land of Shinar, Babel, look at chapter 11, brings us into chapter 11 and verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. So 11.1 and the Tower of Babel and the Babel and all that is going to reach into historically to Genesis 10:8 with Nimrod, 8, 9, 10. So what Genesis 10 is doing, the establishment of the nations and the dividing out of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, 11 sits right on top of it and says, while all that's going on, this is what's going on in the land of Shinar. This is what's going on in Babel with Nimrod. Verse 2. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. What was God's word to them? Scatter. What did man do? Rebelled. And built a city. 
the building of a city, the city building is a complete rebellion to God's word to scatter. They're going to build a tower, city, a political entity, a tower. It's a religious, a religious center that's going to reach up into heaven. Now, he's not talking about the Sears Tower or the Empire. He's not talking about skyscraper. He's literally talking about on top of this building that we're building, we're going to do some things in the high places. You remember high places? There are no-no in Israel. We're going to do some things in this high place that will allow us to influence the heavens. We'll study as we go down over the coming weeks and months and years, because it's going to feel like it, okay? But when we look at this, the Lord and his creation creates the sun, the moon, and the stars to rule over, the verse says, day four. We talked about this yesterday at the men's meeting. Moses tells Israel, don't you make a graven image over the, image, the things in the heavens. But yet, what did they do? They made the images. He's not talking about the literal ball of fire and the ball that reflects and the star thing. He's talking about the forces behind it. Job says that the Lord looks up at heaven and they are unclean in his sight. The adversary has corrupted that. That's what he talks about, reaching the heaven. He's talking about, hey, we're going to go up in there and we're going to corrupt the heavens. By the way, literally in Genesis 1 there, when Moses tells Israel about the creation and what it means for them, he's literally telling them that God's first initial mechanism of communication was in the, starry, was in the, st the lights of the heavens. That's where he literally wrote the word to begin with. There's a reason why he looks at Moses and Isaiah and those guys and says, write this in a book now. Why? Because the heavens are dirty. He can't communicate that way. Why? There's an adversary. Did I lose you? I hope I <laughs> Please don't. Okay? If I do, you better say so so I can come back. Okay? Genesis 11. What's their end goal in verse 4? Let a... Let us make us a what? A name. We make a city. We make a tower. Why? So we have a legacy. So we have a name. You think about the religions in the world. They all have a what? A name. If I said Joseph Smith, you would instantly know who I'm talking If I said Russell, Jehovah's Witnesses, there you go. If I said Buddha, how about the Bob? Do you know the Bob? That's the Baha'i of faith, an offshoot of Islam. If I said Muhammad, what do they got? They got names, don't they? What's religion designed to do? What's religion going to produce? A name. It's the pride of their vanity of in their mind seeking to be their own God that they're a name. Now, fascinating, real quick, five to nine is God's response. And God's response is, I just scatter them. I just confound their language. God's response, Psalms 2 says, he that sitteth in the heaven laughs. He's not worried. He's not going, oh, no, what are we going to do? Man's horrible. He says, I, I know what I'm going to do. I just scatter them. So verse 9, therefore, is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. 
Now you have all the different languages. So in 10, when, you t- when he talks about that he divided them up according to their, their tongues and their families and their nations, you see, that's happening all together. 10 and 11 are happening, and 12 are happening at the same time. Because in Genesis 12, he's just told Abraham, I had already talked to you, verse 1, and the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out. So in 10, 11, and 12, you had all happening at the same time. Now, we got them this way, but this, this way. Okay? Now, what starts in Genesis ends in the book of the Revelation. So go to Revelation 17. Revelation 17. Because the, the beginning of the vehicle is here with Nimrod. And where, the, where Satan and the adversary begins to produce this vehicle that's going to carry out the lie program, it, it's going to come to an end over here in Revelation 17. And we see that here. By the way, a lot of things start in Genesis, Genesis and have an ending in the book of the Revelation. So what starts with Nimrod is going to literally end up in the religion of the Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians 2, 17.1. And there uh, there came one of the seven angels which came and, uh, and had the seven vials and talked with me, saying, Unto me come hither, I will show thee, unto thee, the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of this earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So they've been deceived. They've been desensitized to the things of God. They're over here now. They're, they, they've been, they've been made, they've, uh, hormoned themselves to this religious system. They've attached themselves to it. They've become drunken. Now watch the woman, verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit of the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, having of the names of blaspheme, having seven heads and ten hordes. And the, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abomination and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery, comma, Babylon the Great, comma, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Look at this lady, okay? There's some things here that as we begin to look at this vehicle, we look at this system, we can identify it around us today. Look at her title. There's a thing there about all the caps, and we'll get into that sometime, but mystery. She takes on a mystery form. She's seductive. Remember Paul says over there, the mystery of iniquity doth already work, and everybody goes, don't go, you know, don't fall apart. Just pay attention. The mystery of iniquity has been working since Genesis 3. Actually, Genesis 1, with the adversary. By the way, I say that a lot, and I apologize, but it comes through my mind, and you need to know it, okay? The word iniquity, when you study the word iniquity, it is, for a majority of the times, associated with the satanic policy of evil. 
and Satan and his fall and his program and what he's doing. Okay? Deals with religion. That unclean thing. Now, for you and I, the word is sin, but iniquity. She's mystery. She carries on that, just follow me, and I'll give you the hidden meaning, the Illuminati and the conspiracy, and I can help you understand. And and you know what man does? Gobbles that stuff up. What's happening? She's Babylon the Great. Well, wait a minute. Where does Babylon start? Genesis 11. So this, this woman is associated with the city. Look at verse 18. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Now, the interesting thing, Revelation 14, verse 8, and there followed another angel saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, which matches up with, so that city... There's a political entity there. So now we're in the politics. In that great city, there's Babylon. There she is, Babylon the Great. She's the mother of, by the way, she's got colors, doesn't she? Purple and scarlet. She's the mother. She's the source of all harlots, the offspring You see, all of the different religions in the world come from one source. That's the lie program. That's the adversary who would have the creature be worshipped more than the creator, Romans 1.25. Okay? What What happened with Nimrod, you remember? And from out of the land after Nimrod was set up, all those other places went. Genesis 10, we were just there 20 minutes ago. Okay? We've got colors. We've got a city. Notice she's got a golden cup. That's her symbol. The golden cup. You remember, do you know a group, of, a religious group that goes around with a chalice and does things and makes you drink out of them and does all this? I know everybody thinks about Roman Catholics, but don't, think about the, don't forget the Protestant side of the equation. Because they do the same thing. They just make it a little less obvious. It's very interesting. Verse 6. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. What's she like to do? She likes to kill. She's bloodthirsty. She's killing the saints. They're killing God's people. You know what, this system, ultimately the system gets destroyed, the end of the, you know, end, end. But yet the scripture says this is the real deal. This is the real game. And when we talk about the deep state, and when we talk about conspiracy theories, and we talk about all this stuff, you are talking about stuff that doesn't even register on the radar of God Almighty. This stuff does. This is the problem. This is the Warring with spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, we get all, oh, I'm not going to take the vaccine. Oh, they're going to 666 me and mark of the beast. No, kid, grow up. That's nothing with that. That's just a blip. But what has it done to you? He uses it. 
to do what? Carry you away. Paul says in Ephesians there, be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Don't do that. Look at it. Think about it. Look at what's going on around you. Pay attention. Come over to Judges 17. The real battle, folks, what does this woman like to do? She likes to kill. The real battle is this. The real issue is focused in on us here at Southwest Bible Fellowship. That's where the real battle is. Because the system, this vehicle, wants to kill you. And if we aren't careful, it will do just that. It's what all, think about the whole of the history. Think about Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read that book. By the way, go find you an old copy of it. Don't get the new stuff you see on Amazon. Go to the old bookstores and find an old copy of it. Because the new stuff, they kind of re, uh, what do they, when they reinvent history? They kind of rewrite it a little bit so it doesn't cast such a dark spell on the Roman Catholic Church. But man, you go, I got an old one, and boy, it peels the hide off of that stuff. But what did they die for? They died because of the system. And when we see our country changing, and we begin to see our culture around us change, we need to be able to look behind the scenes. Look over here and see why it's changing and where the real, where, where the reality is. Not just because the Democrats are in charge and the Republicans aren't and the independents are raising No. You ain't gonna change any of that. Why, why? Because there's a system. Paul calls it the course of the world. And I want you to be aware of it. My job is to remind you of these things. Judges 17 is where this starts, and you begin to see it. Judges 17, verse 1, And there was a man of, of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said unto his mother, And Micah steals some money. And this is where Baal worship gets introduced. And just for time, we'll go quickly here, okay? Verse 4, Yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder, who made thereof a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a house of gods and made an ephod and a teraphim and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. So what does Micah have? He's got a house, doesn't he? He's got a house of gods. We've got idols, right? He's got an ephod. He's got a teraphim, right? He's got a priest. Now, what's he doing? We're in Judges. Every man, there's no king in Israel. Every man does right in his own eyes. What's going on here? What's he doing here? He's got him a, by the way, an ephod is a robe. A teraphim is an idol. It's a little idol that they, that they sit and hang. It hangs on a chain down. But it's an aid to worship is what it is. That's what it, that, Israel had those. They, you, I know you see uh, everybody with crosses hanging down to their belly buttons and all that stuff. That's, that is a corruption of Judaism is what it is. He's developed a religious system here, hasn't he? 
He's got a place to meet. He's got a house. He's got idols. He's got a robe. He's got aids to worship. Verse 6. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Drop down to verse uh, well, verse 7, and there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. So you got a guy that just graduated out of seminary, and you know what he's doing? He's looking for a place to, to work. Verse 9, and Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a, uh-oh, a what? A father. So now we have a religious title and a priest. You know what? You know what Micah thinks? I got a real deal here. <laughs> I made my youngest boy my priest. I just kick him out. I got the real thing. I got a Levite. Sorry, kid, you lost the inheritance. Get out. Here's okay. He puts the Levite in. He calls him father. Verse 11, and the Levite was content. By the way, he pays him 10 shekels by the suit, uh, by the year, and a suit of apparel, and thy victuals. The Lord in Matthew calls them hired hirelings. You're hired, they're getting paid. Woo. Verse 11, and the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man was unto him as one of his sons, and Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest and was in the house. See how Micah's the old man and he's calling this young guy father? It's a title, religious title. So you got another, so now why this is important is 18.1. 18.1. In those days there was no king in Israel, and in those days the tribe of Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in, and, and unto the day, uh, for unto that day all their inheritance had not fallen unto them among the tribes of Israel. So now we have Dan show up. Now we have Dan. Now Dan's going to talk to the young man. They come to Micah, verse 4, and he said unto them, they, they find Micah, they find the house of gods, they talk to the priest, the Levite, verse 4, and he said unto them, thus and thus dealeth Michael with me, Micah with me, and hath hired me, and I am his priest. So they ask him, would you pray to God, tell him, you know, ask God what we're to do, and they go do, and they go, and off they go, and then they come back, verse 18. And these went into Micah, and fetch the carved image, the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image. See how we've added to the imagery? Then said the priest unto them, what do ye? Now watch. And they said unto him. So you got the guys from the tribe of Dan come in. They're taking all of Micah's religious paraphernalia. They've, he's co-opted Israel's religion. Verse 19. Hold thy peace, lay thy hand upon thy mouth, and go with us. And be to us a father and priest. Now watch. Is it better for thee to be a priest unto the house of one man, or that thou be a priest unto a tribe and a family in Israel? You, just, you got a promotion, buddy. Do you just want to be over here in this little small town church? Or do you want to come over here and be in the mega church? And you know what that dude does? He packs, helps him packs, drives the U-Haul. We're going. And after he says, I got to talk to the Lord. Let me seek the Lord. Let me seek the Lord's counsel. What would God's will be? And off he goes. Verse 30, 1830. And the children of Dan set up the graven image 
And Jonathan, the son of Gershom and the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. And they set them up, Micah's graven image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. Notice this is introduced until the time of the captivity. That's important. Because in the time of the captivity, Babylonian captivity, they lose all this. And then they go get sucked into Babylon. But think about this. Now, the date at the top of Judges 18 is 1406 B.C. The captivity is said to be in 606 B.C. So for 800 years, this vain religious Baal system has been in the tribe of Dan. It's what? It's got its foot in the door. Okay? They're, it's corrupting them. Now, let's think about Dan. Go to Genesis 49. Come on. It's Sunday morning. It ain't hot yet. Genesis 49. Folks, we're to know about this stuff. I'm going to tell you what, folks that grew up and lived in the 50s knew all about this, regardless of whether they were Bible believers, heathen, or Bible believers. Our society understood this. Our culture understood this. Unfortunately, our culture today doesn't. When you listen to them talk about socialism and capital, they have no clue what they're talking about. We need to know, because when we go and minister, who's in charge out there? Who's running the show? Genesis 49 is a very important passage in this when we think about Dan, because Jacob, verse 1, and Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. And Jacob gives each of the boys, the 12, a, a, a prediction, a prophecy of their future. Verse number uh, where did Dan go? Verse 16. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent, by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heels so that his rider shall fall backward. Do you know another guy that was a serpent? Garden of Eden, Satan. You see how Dan is associated with a serpent? and he's biting the rider, the horse, what's he going to do? The horse rider is the Lord Jesus Christ coming back in his second coming. What's Dan doing? What's Genesis 3 say? It's going to happen, 3.15. The seed of the adversary is going to do what? Reach up there and try to get the seed of the woman, and the seed of the woman is going to crush its head. There it is. Think about that. Come over to Deuteronomy. Chapter 33. You see, Dan, he's the source of the satanic infiltration into the nation of Israel. What did he do? He comes over here and takes Micah's stuff, sticks his door, foot in the door, and Satan gets a, a way in. Deuteronomy 33, verse 22. Here's what Moses says about Dan. And of Dan, he said, Dan is a, what? Lion's whelp. 
Well, what does 1 Peter tell us about the adversary? He's like a lion out there seeking whom he may devour. Okay? He's out there. He's a lion's whelp. Now watch. He shall leap from Bashan. That's going to be important here. What does that lion do? Leaps, attacks. You've all seen National Geographic and the and why, boy, didn't you? Don't you wish Wild Kingdom was still on? Why, you know, boom, boom, you get in there and phew, the best one ever. Well, anyway, uh, come over to Psalms 22. I tell you what, do you see some of them old shows? I love the one where they got the spitting snake and it spits its venom, and they're and they're holding the glasses, the binoculars down there, and the old guy's going, "Now when you see this guy, don't you, you know, don't look at." You know, I'm like, I'll never see that in the day of my life, man, because if I see a snake in a tree, I'm going the other way, you know. But anyway, Psalms 22. Psalms 22 is a great passage. It is the leading passage on the, on, on the cross of Christ, Calvary. Now watch verse 12. Christ is on, Cal, on the cross. He's hanging there. Here's what he's thinking. Here's what he's going through. Here's what he's working through. And notice what he says. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of what? Bashan. Notice we got a bull here. Satan was cursed of the cattle of the field. Remember that? Here's a bull. Here's a bull. But notice they're bulls of Bashan. He's on the cross. Who's around them? Who's around the Lord when he's hanging on the cross? Matthew 27. Matthew 27. Think about who he's now going to call here. Matthew 27, verse 35. Matthew 27, 35. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled. That was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vestures did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. Verse 38. They then were uh, there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. And saying, Thou that de- destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priest, what? Mocking him with the scribes and the elders. Do you see who the Lord, come over to chapter 23. The, the leaders of Israel, the Lord says, you know what you guys are? You're the bulls of Bashan. Matthew 23. You know who you are? You're in this system. You know who you belong to? Satan's church. That's where you're going. You're into this religious system that's got a house with idols to worship. You got an ephod. You got to have some robes. They got a teraphim. They got aids. They've got priests that they call fathers. Matthew 23, verse 1, then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Here they are. What are they sitting in? Moses a seat, authority, verse number five. But all their works they do for they to uh, they do for to be seen of men. Matthew twenty three five. They make broad their philanthropy and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms at the feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the market and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. 
Verse 9, and call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. What do they like to do? They like that religious title. They like to be recognized. They've been broader. They got the big robes on. Do you see a system? You see a vehicle here? You go over uh, Mark, back up a page, Mark 10, Mark 12, sorry, Mark 12. Mark 12, 38, and he said unto them in his doctrine, beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplace. Those long robes, those long clothings, 1 Kings chapter 10, they're called vestments. That's what they're called. They're called vestments. You go over 1 Kings 18, we're not going to go there, Just you, it's on your list. 1 Kings 18, Elijah is dealing with Baal, you know, he mocks them. You know what they kill? They kill a calf. When Moses comes down off of the mountain, carrying the Ten Commandments, war in the camp, nope, what has Aaron got him doing? Golden calf. You can just plot this stuff right out. 1 Kings 19, Elijah thinks he's alone. He says, you're not alone. I've got 7,000 down in Egypt that have not kissed Baal. Now we've got to kiss the ring. Subjugate. Hosea 13, I'm just saying because time's up. 13, they're going to come in and they're going to kiss the calf. That system is there. Now come back with me to 1 Kings 16. It has a foothold through Dan into the nation. 1 Kings 16. Now you have it become the official religion of Israel. 1 Kings 16. 1 Kings 16. In, in chapter 3, I'm sorry, in 16, verse 30. And following you have, and, and Ahab the son of, 1630, 1 Kings 1630, and Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him, and it came to pass as if he had been a light, as, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Do you think he's got a Baal problem? What's he doing? He's out worshiping. Verse 32, what does he do? And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. And in his days did hail the Bethlehemite build Jericho. Jericho wasn't supposed to be rebuilt. That was. But now we got Ahab, don't we? Now we're moving into the official religion of Israel now. Now look at chapter 17. 17, and watch, it's 2 Kings 17. I'm sorry. 2 Kings 17. Okay, 2 Kings 17. 
because you've got to see this. In 2 Kings, the northern tribes are carried off into Assyrian captivity. God's given them up. They're gone. Okay? The, they, they go into Assyria. They begin to take on Assyria's stuff. Verse 32, the result. So they feared the Lord and made unto themselves of the lowest of them priests for the high places, which sacrificed for them in the house of the high places. They feared the Lord and served their own gods. We got an altar. We got worship. They feared the Lord and served their own gods after the manner of the nations whom they, carry, who, whom they carried away from thence. The goal of the Rebane religious system, the goal of the adversary's lie program is the issue of simulation, making it all under one and one. You'll hear people say, all roads lead back to God. Well, do they? Not in Scripture they don't. In the system they do, though. That system ends, 2 Thessalonians 2, with the Antichrist sitting on the throne, doing what? I'm God and having all that is worshipped to come. And he's the culmination. Okay? That's the end of it. It culminates with the Antichrist. Now come over to 1 Corinthians 6. By the way, Daniel 1, I think that's up there. Yeah, Daniel 1, you need 1 Corinthians 6. Daniel 1, you have Nebuchadnezzar. What does he do? He sacks Jerusalem, carries away all the good things out of the house of God, gets over there, and he's in the land of Shinar, where Babylon is. Revelation 2, you've got an issue in the messages there to, that, to the little flock churches out there that are getting ready for the 70th week of Daniel, and there's a talking about old Jezebel, who seduced, okay? 1 Corinthians 6. Now watch Paul, why, why this is important. By the way, we've only scratched the... You can see this, can't you? Just look around. But don't stop at Rome. Look at all of them, because they all carry this picture. You guys remember the movie Noah made by uh, Russell Crowe? And everybody was like, oh, great Bible movie, until you saw it and you go, that ain't in the Bible. You know? I never knew rocks talked and did this and that, you know? Why? Every religion has a Noah event. Every religion has a Adam and Eve, a Garden of Eden, a Savior. They all do. Why? Because it's all coming out of the same system, which is the counterfeit. 1 Corinthians 6, look at verse 15. Watch Paul to you and I. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Well, he's going to tell you, verse 19, that you were bought, in verse 20, you're bought with a price. You belong to the Lord, all of you do. Now watch, but watch this. Shall I then make the members of Christ, shall I take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. Now the harlot there isn't the streetwalker lady, you know, the red light district and all that stuff. The harlot's that lady in, is the system. Romans, uh, Revelation 17. By the way, that passage, Romans 7, Revelation 17, verse 5, there are 13 words in that verse. There's 65 letters in that verse. 5 times 13 makes 65. 13 is the number of rebellion. There it is. 5 is the number of death, by the way. Death because of the rebellion. 
Paul says, I am not supposed, I'm not going to, God forbid that you go join that system. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6, quickly here. 2 Corinthians 6. You start reading there in verse 14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Again, we are not talking about don't marry an unbeliever. Chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians deals with that. We're not talking about being in business with an unbeliever. We're not talking about shopping with an unbeliever. We're not talking about him being friends with un- None of that is here. That's what religion does to do what? Draw you away from what he's really saying. What's he saying? What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? And or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? He's saying, come, verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He's talking about don't be a part of this vain religious system. Get out of it. Don't be a part of it. Don't touch it. Don't stay in it. Don't stick your big toe in it to see if the water is warm. Get out of it. Stay out of it. By the way, Paul quotes Isaiah 52 there for a reason, because what has Israel done? They're in it. And now God's got to come and get them out of it. So how do you fight it? By the way, again, we're not done. We got part two. How do you fight this? 1 Timothy 4, where we started. 1 Timothy 4, verse 3, the end of that verse, with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. And what? Verse 5, sanctified by the word of God and prayer. How do you fight it? By knowing and believing the truth. What's the truth? God's not doing that. He says, that's the big game. That's the real deal. There's your deep state right there. There's your conspiracy. There's the guy that's got everything messed up. Know it. Believe the truth. Pray on it. Study it from the word of God rightly divided. And again, I remind you, verse 6, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. That's when we're doing this. What church should I go to? You ought to go to a church that's a pillar in the ground of truth. And I'm not going to be in that church over there that has this as its decor, as its symbols, moniker. But yet I can come, and what can I do? I can identify it. I can see it. I can recognize it. And I can say, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, okay. Now, next time we'll get into some of the doctrines of devils a little bit more. And the queen of heaven is their big person. And we'll see that next time, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. I thank you for the patience of the folks here and everything as we look into this and as we begin to see the great opposition that the adversary has put in our way to thwart, to slow us down, to pull us away from who we are in you. And Lord, I just pray that we would think about these things and consider them and look into them and have as our stability your wisdom and understanding and knowledge. In your name we pray, amen. All right, we're going to stand.